episode 474, how to build your power tribe and sell your company for millions, Mitch Russo. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to land your TEDx talk in 90 days or less without wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there, talkaccelerator.com forward slash masterclass. That's talkaccelerator.com. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. All links mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes at ayalpha.com. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. This week, we have Mitch Russo on the line. There's so much I can say about Mitch, but I'm just going to give you a bit of his background. Mitch co-founded Time Slips Corp, which grew to become the largest time tracking software company in the world. In 1994, Time Slips Corp was sold to Sage PLC. While at Sage, Mitch went on to run all of Sage US as chief operating officer, a division with 300 people and a market cap in excess of 100 million. Mitch was nominated for Inc. Magazine's Entrepreneur of the Year on two separate occasions, 89 and 91. Mitch joined long-term friend Chet Holmes and Tony Robbins and together created Business Breakthrough International, a company serving thousands of businesses a year with coaching, consultant, and training service. In 2015, Mitch published The Invisible Organization, which is the CEO's guide to transforming a traditional brick-and-mortar company into a fully virtual organization. In 2018, Mitch published his second book, Power Tribes, How Certification Can Explode Your Business. Mitch's podcast, Your First Thousand Clients, focuses on discovering the secrets of success from business owners who have served 1,000 clients or more. So we have lots to dig into. So firstly, Mitch, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I am. Awesome. I don't usually do that long a bio, but I thought there was so much and I wanted to give people a little bit of history, so much we could pull on. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? Okay, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, you know, what happens after you get a couple of decades under your belt, <laughs> you, you, you know, with the typical entrepreneur's disease of moving from one thing to the other, um, you know, after I built the software company and sold it, then went on to work with Tony, as you said, I've done several things and some of them were complete failures. Others uh, have become part of who I am today. So... You know, it's an interesting journey. Uh, right now, my focus is building certification programs for my clients based on the book Power Tribes, which I created for the entire purpose of helping people do just that. Awesome. So I want to just touch on your origins. Obviously, we've got some of your business origins, but where are you originally from? And I know we spoke before the interview about where you are today. Uh, real quickly, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and I lived there until I was uh 17, 18 years old, really. And then I moved to uh, Boston and I moved to the outskirts of Boston to take a job in the computer industry, uh, which was my passion. And um, I, I, I liked Massachusetts. It was like a slower version of New York. <laughs> and so uh, 
I stayed for a long time. I raised a family there. Uh, and, you know, my daughter graduated college and got a great job in the city. And I figured, hey, now it's my time. I'm going to go find me my ideal, my, my happy place on the ocean here in Florida. And that's where I am. Before you read a little peek out the window, we could see the ocean because I, I love a view. So who helped? I mean, you've worked with some insp inspirational people, but who helped awaken your other? Who helped inspire you when you were younger or even more in more recent times who either said the right thing at the right time or was it situational? Is there anyone or situation that springs to mind? Well, there were several. I was, I've been lucky enough to have several major inspirations in my life. Um, and probably the, I would say the most significant one um, was a, uh, a gentleman who I worked with and what be you know i went to him and said look i i'd love to work for you with you in your sales organization and he turned to me and said mitch um i don't think you're cut out for that because great salesmen are born and you're not one of them and in my mind, there were three words echoing through my mind. And Adam, I won't ask you to guess them. <laughs> <laughs> a little smile just came over my face for those. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that this is not an X-rated show, so I will. I was thinking two words. I was thinking, what's the third? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The one, the one that you, I thought you'd say is go F yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I missed the go. There you go. <laughs> <clears throat> but, th but that's not it at all. It, it turns out the three words in my mind were, I'll show you. And for 10 years, those three words fueled my entire purpose. What's that like being fueled by kind of an I show you? And, and, and you said for 10 years, how did that motivation transition? And tell us, obviously, uh, yeah, tell us well, about that. Sure. So I, <clears throat> I did go and get a, um, another sales position and I crushed it. Hmm. And so uh, when, I, when I did that, um, you know, of course, uh, I, I wanted to rub it in that guy's face, but, <laughs> but my life took a, a different turn. I, start, I started a software company, but it was almost 10 years later when I drove by his office in my brand new BMW and sat outside and waited for him to come out. Uh, and when he did, I said, hey, Bill, how's it going? He goes, Mitch, how are you? I haven't seen you in a long time. Uh, I said, yeah, yeah. He says, this is your car? I said, absolutely. He goes, well, that's fantastic. Uh, what you been up to? I said, well, I just sold my company uh, for eight figures. And he goes, what? I said, yeah, yeah. Remember when you told me that you didn't think I would make a good salesman? Uh, he goes, well, I don't know if I remember that conversation, Mitch. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm glad to see you're doing well. I said, yeah, Bill, I did real well. And I want to thank you for motivating, motivating me to, to be the person I am today. <laughs> and I wow. drove off. <laughs> that sort of scenario is usually the scenario that people have in their heads, but he actually did that. That's nice to have that, that closure, that completion of that story. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah. It was a great moment. How do you go about starting your own software company? Obviously I'm sure things have obviously changed, but back then like why and, and that process of obviously building something and selling it. And I mean, how long of a turnaround was that? And talk to us about that. Sure. So, you know, it was, um, it was during a great era of change. It was when the, the PC was first introduced by IBM and an entire world was about to explode with the personal computer. 
And um, I remember being a salesman at the job I had told you I was a salesman at and watching all this happening sort of as a, you know, as a, uh, a fly on the wall. And I said, you know, I, I really want to be part of that. I really want to be, I want to be in the computer industry. I want to do that. It showed up in the form of a need. Um, as I mentioned, I was a salesman and I was distributing electronic components and I needed a way of keeping track of, um, of my electronic components. So I bought a personal computer and I bought DBase2, which is a database program. And I started to configure a database so I could track the samples that I gave out to my clients. Well, turns out that um, I got a note from my accountant that said, uh, that new PC that you bought is not tax deductible. And I called oh. him up and I said, why is that? And he goes, well, it's not a legitimate business tool according to the IRS. It's a toy. What? <laughs> How it's changed, yeah. <laughs> so, so what I did is I asked him, well, what is it? How do I make it a legitimate business tool? And he said, the only way, according to the IRS, is to, is to keep records of its use, contemporaneous records of its use. So I thought to myself, well, that's no program. That's no problem. We'll just find a software program that does that. Well, it turns out there was none. And um, I, I struggled with that. Um, I thought, well, how am I going to do this? And tried different ways. And then one day I was having breakfast with my neighbor, who's, who's a new neighbor and, and becoming a good friend. And I told him of my dilemma. And I said, I really just need something to keep track of what I do on the computer to prove to the IRS that I can do, deduct it. And about six weeks later, he said he's been thinking about my problem and he designed a little widget that might help. And I go over to his house and he shows me this little taxi meter with time going through. And every time you press stop, it says, what were you just doing? And I type it in what I was doing. And it was brilliant. Wow. And I said, you know, we could sell this. This could be pretty cool. Um, and so we both went to work on it for six months, him um, writing the software and both of us architecting the design of the software. And ultimately what ended up happening um, is that uh, uh, we both, after six months, decided to quit our jobs and go into the software business. Wow. I mean, how was that? time and that decision because obviously you'd been a salesman you're doing you're doing well and obviously being like quitting a job and being an entrepreneur is a big challenge or big change and big mental change and a, a jump for pretty much everyone how did you struggle with that was there fear, fear involved how did that play out? well i i had been very successful and i had saved several hundred thousand dollars which back then was a lot of money um and i saved it from my commissions so um when I was ready to quit, I knew I had probably several years of living expenses yeah. plus some money to invest. Plus I had real estate in a different city, uh, which I could sell and in fact did. So I was set up. So by the time we got to this point, I was ready for it emotionally. I yeah. was ready for it mentally. I had no wife, no children, no obligations other than, you know, my own narcissistic habits of, having to eat and sleep in a warm bed, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, but um, so for me, that decision was something I'd been ready for for a while. But unfortunately, the day we quit, so we quit on a Friday. 
Friday afternoon, my accountant called and said, oh, I have some bad news for you. I said, what's that? He goes, the IRS has uh, eliminated that ruling. You no longer need to keep records. Oh my God. <laughs> I said, do you know what I've just been through for the last six months? And um, anyway, I told him and I, he said, well, I'm sorry, Mitch, but <clears throat> you know, I'm just reporting the news. It's not, not my fault. And I said, yeah. so at that point, you know, we needed an hour to cuss and scream and grieve and get <laughs> sad and depressed and angry. But see, we got really, really sad. Uh, then we got depressed. Then we got angry. And this all happened in the course of about two hours. And then we decided that we had burned the boats. Okay, so we're on the mm -hmm. island now. We have no way off the island. We only have one option, and that's to figure out how to take this magically incredible piece of software and convert it to something else. So in our brainstorming, we came up with the idea that, you know what? Um, there are companies and people who need to keep track of time, lawyers, yeah. accountants, consultants, architects, uh, and, and even project managers need to keep track of time. So why don't we build a time tracking system out of our technology uh, with billing? 90 days later, we had our MVP ready, uh, which was the first version of time slips. MVP is minimally viable product. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, we, we did what I thought was the right thing to do is we took out an ad in PC Magazine, spent... Um, $12,000, of which the entire marketing budget was 15000 at the time, uh, spent $12,000, took out an ad in PC Magazine, uh, and hoped that we would get at least 600 sales at $99 a sale to pay for, you know, at least some of those terribly, you know, expensive ads. And we got none. We got five sales. Mm. And, um, and it was a pretty depressing moment again. Uh, and now all we had left was $3,000. So uh, we decided that we'd attend the trade show in New York. Everybody else had fancy booths. We had this little table and we were swamped and everybody else was empty. Well, that gave us a hint. That gave us a hint that lawyers really like what we do. Yeah. Well, it turns out by the time we got back, uh, the salesman for PC Magazine called on me and said, look, Mitch, I, I know you spent all your money. I'm real sorry. Uh, but, you know, in the magazine business, uh, 30 days after your ad runs, you get these, and he gives me this pile of cards. He goes, you get these things called bingo cards. I said, what's that? He goes, well, you know, when you open up a magazine um, and there's a card with a bunch of numbers on it, well, readers can circle the number of the ad that they wanted more information on. Well, you have about 500 of these. You may want them. Most people don't think they're very valuable. I said, give me those. Uh, and at, at that point, um, what I did is I called every single person that I could find and I sold about 60 copies of time slips to wait for it lawyers. So, okay. Now we realized that our market was lawyers. Yep. So we <laughs> shut down all of the marketing and focused on lawyers. And that's when the world changed for us. This episode is sponsored by the talk accelerator, increase your influence, income and impact get this completely free 45 minute training masterclass on how to become a tedx speaker that training is brand new for 2021 you can jump over talk x c e l e r a t o r.com forward slash masterclass really digs into the three key secrets 
to land in your own TEDx talk. If there is a smooth transition, let me know. But I, it feels like there could be something around that, that first thousand clients. And why, why have the show the first thousand clients? It sounds like you got your first thousand clients shortly after that. Talk to us about that and why you believe it's so important. And obviously, that's such a good um, background story to really uh, understand where you're coming from. Sure. Well, my belief is that you don't really know what you do yet for clients uh, until you've had about a thousand. Um, I mean, I'm sure it can happen sooner. For many, it does. Uh, for some, even after a thousand clients, people don't really know. Uh, and so my belief was that by the time you have a thousand clients, you are a mature enough business to have made enough mistakes uh, to create what I call character and wisdom. Mm. And so once you're a thousand clients out, um, then all you got to do at that point is, um, you know, reflect on what the changes and pivots you made. I mean, clearly, if I would have been interviewed on a show starting my original tax tracking program, it would have been a dumb interview because I never had a business. I just had an idea and built a product. Mm -hmm. uh, well, the bottom line is that when that idea went to hit reality, it didn't work. And even my first version of time slips really wasn't suitable, but it became refined over the course of that first thousand clients until by the time we did have a thousand clients, we had a very clear idea of, of what to do. We had a very successful product. We knew how to sell it. We knew how to market it. We knew what our client needs were. We knew what our future roadmap looked like. And we were a real business. So that's the reason why when I interview people, it needs to, they need to have at least a thousand clients. When did your, your mind, obviously you're making a, you know, a lot of money. You've built this up. When did your mind switch to, I'm going to sell this potentially, or, you know, I want to make a big load of money in one go and I want new, new things. Well, <clears throat> after the company had reached a certain level, two things happened. Um, we were personally liable, my partner and I, for everything that happened in the business. Uh, so every month, uh, as we spent four or five hundred thousand a month on payroll and expenses, wow. yeah. I was on the line. My entire life and all my possessions and net worth was on the line every single day. The real motivating factor was my partner. He came to me uh, after seven years in the business and said, "Hey, Mitch, you know I love." what we've done together. It's obviously incredible, but I just need to know how long will we be doing this? And I said, I don't know, Neil, I, I guess for, you know, as long as we want, I mean, um, you know, we have a successful business. Uh, it's running where we, we have the number one product in the field. We're well-respected. Uh, you, uh, Neil are known as one of the greatest programmers in the business because of what you've accomplished. Um, you know, he said, but you know, Mitch, you got into this for the money, uh, which is great. And I got into this to show my family that I have value. Mm. And, and I, and I understood that it wasn't the first time I was hearing this. My partner happened to be born into a very, very, very wealthy family. And uh, all his life, he was discounted and cast aside because he never had to earn a living. Yeah. Uh, and so this, I mean, imagine how purposeless you would feel uh, if you were born into a very, very rich family with a trust fund waiting for you. 
Now, of course, everyone listening, this will go, sure, why don't we try it on me? I'm, <laughs> I think I'd be yeah, okay. I'm full guy. <laughs> well, well, I mean, if you really, really believe that, do a little research onto the children of wealthy families. Mm. And, you know, he's asking me, when do you think this will end? And my only answer was, Neil, I, I don't want it to end, don't need it to end. I'm happy the way I am. Um, I had just about nothing in the bank. I had used all of the money I had to support myself and build the company. So I was on paper wealthy, but in, in truth, I had maybe eight or $10,000 total in the bank. Yeah. Uh, and it was only after two and a half years of running the business that I took a salary. So I depleted all of my savings uh, and used some of those savings to build the company as well. So for me, um, you know, the idea of having like more money in the bank was nice. But uh, uh, so I said to him, look, here's what we can do. We could bring in a venture capitalist to buy you out and I can continue to run the business. But after we had several conversations, they offered to buy half the company for a sum of money that I thought was insulting and embarrassing. And so I threw them out. Uh, and told my partner, I said, I, you look, if you want this amount of money, that's fine. <clears throat> but I, I wouldn't settle for this if I were you. And I wouldn't ever want to move forward with, with these bozos. Yeah. And he said to me, well, what's the alternative? I said, well, the alternative is we could sell the company. And I started getting busy on exactly how to do that. Uh, and it took me several years, but I was able to line up two buyers simultaneously until one of the bidders said something very interesting. He said, I'll tell you what, instead of giving you your asking price plus the, you know, the competitive price that your other buyer is interested in paying, I'll give you half your asking price, but I'll give you the, I, the opportunity to make double what you're asking. I said, really, how does that work? And he goes, here's what I would propose. We'll give you half up front in cash, which was still pretty substantial, mm -hmm. um, many millions, let's put it that way. Uh, and then you move the company to Dallas, Texas, where my headquarters is, run it from, the, from there for two years, and I will pay you every penny the company generates for the next two years. So if Whoa. you, and, and that I mean literally every penny. So if you generate 10 million in the first year, you get 10, you get 10 minus what I've given you. And if you generate 15 in the second year, I give you 15 minus what I gave you initially and in the first year. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a big opportunity. And I truly believed in the company. I really believed in our products. So I said, yes. And I told my partner, I'm saying yes to this. What do you think? And he said, yeah, I love it. I said, but it will take another two years. Are you okay with that? And he goes, Mitch, look, when I told you I'm in for the long haul, I am. And, and I know in many ways I've reached my goal, but I know you haven't yours. And I'm here until you do. Now that's a partner. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's nice. That was my, my, to this day, is still my best buddy. So I moved with my pregnant wife to Texas and we bought a home and we moved in and we spent two years earning out, um, the, the, the amount and, and we exceeded say, that must have been a motivating couple of years at work. <laughs> it was. And we exceeded everybody's expectation. Let's just put it that way. But that was my life changing experience that gave me the wisdom and character that I came into this, into this professional world with at the age of 44. Cool. So is it after that, that you went 
pretty much straight to working with Chet and Tony Robbins or was there a little break or how did, how did that work? How did that come about? Yeah, there was a break. Um, it turns out that when I moved back to Boston, uh, I, I put together a resume. I said, you know what? Um, I've done what all of, you know, venture capital company, um, profile, um, portfolio, uh, uh, owners have wanted to do, but I did it. So I put together a resume and I sent it to all the VC firms in the area. I said, Hey, let me run some of your profile, some of your, you know, your, your investments, because if they're not doing well, I know how to turn them into profitable companies. And I got crickets zero. Mm. So I finally ended up calling people and hardly anybody would talk to me until I got a young guy on the phone. And I said to him, uh, you know, I sent in my resume. I didn't hear anything back. And I goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have your resume on my desk. And I was meant to call you. I said, well, what's up with that? And he goes, Mitch, I can't tell you the truth. You're too old. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you know, you're 45 years old, 44, 45 years old. And all of our founders are in their 20s. So I said to him, well, don't you think a little quote unquote gray hair would be a good addition to the team, particularly if the company's not working? You know, yeah. it's not. It's not generating revenue or profitable. So he said, I hear you, but I'm just telling you the way they think here. And I thanked him. I hung up. And then I started to create my own investment firm, not to compete with them, but just because I have such a strong interest in helping technology companies achieve what I did that I decided that I would get very involved. I'd I'd invest money and then I would help them. So we created Assist Ventures. So Assist Ventures is all about both assisting and investing. So I, it turned out I invested in 19 companies over the course of three years, uh, and they were all going much better in, at a, for a while in, until the big 2000 uh, tech bubble popped. Yeah. But around that time, one of those VCs, I started getting noticed, and one of those VC firms came to me and said, look, we'd like to have your help, um, you know, either as a consultant or as an entrepreneur in residence so that you could in fact help us with some of our portfolio companies. So I said, okay, uh, then the dot-com bust happened. And for those of you who remember, it was in March of 2000 where all of the internet stocks plummeted by 60 to 80% and all investment in the internet space ceased. Hmm. Is that when you tell us just briefly about, about the experience with working with, Sure. Tony and Chet, so, and then and then obviously we can get on to more because I definitely want to dig in to the the certification side of things and yep. what you're doing now as well. So I met Chet when I was running Time Slips Corporation. He called on me. He was a pesky salesman, wouldn't give up, uh, <laughs> and I realized that that's Chet. His pig-headed discipline was just amazing, <laughs> and and so with um, we became friends. I finally ended up um, buying his advertising services and. He, he helped us grow the company tremendously and we became friends and uh, he asked me if I'd like some help and I had all this money in the bank. I said, sure. Uh, so we got both him and Jay Abraham involved uh, okay. and the three of us worked together to create a very innovative marketing campaign. What turned out to be a great experience because I got to know Jay really, really, really well and Chet and I just deepened our friendship further. We stayed in touch until one day he called me years later, two years later, out of the blue and said, look, I need some help. Uh, maybe you can help me. And I said, sure, of course I can help you. So I got involved with his company. And in a matter of six weeks, we had tripled the sales force and he 
asked me to join him and stay on as a full-time employee and then eventually as president. And I said yes to all that. And then he made a, sort of a, you know, he made a phone call late one night and said, look, I want you to join me on the call with Tony Robbins. I said, the Tony Robbins? He goes, yeah, Tony and I finally connected after 17 years of trying to get him in, on a call. And um, remember I talked about Chet's pig-headed discipline, 17 years. <laughs> so we get on this call and now I get to meet Tony live on the phone and, and we're talking about building a company together. And uh, Chet had told Tony about me and Tony said, yes, we should include Mitch. This is a big deal. And so the three of us started scheming on how to build a company together. And we did this every Thursday night for about six months, what eventually became Business Breakthroughs International. Mm -hmm. So Chet and I agreed that I would be the president and CEO of both companies of Business Breakthroughs and his. His would eventually fade away as we grew Business Breakthroughs. And we did, and we grew it to nearly 30 million a year in revenue. And then the unthinkable happened. Uh, Chet got very sick with leukemia uh, mm -hmm. and 16 months later he was dead. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Talk to us about launching the show Tribe Builder. We, we touched on obviously a first thousand clients. So I want to talk about certifications yes. and you know, almost like promote why, why should someone who's run a business add that to their repertoire or their format, their delivery? Sure. So it turns out that um, I had built a huge certification program at Timeslips Corporation. Uh, we had amassed 350 certified consultants and I had written about that extensively in my blog posts about how without realizing it, I ended up creating our third largest sales channel from our certified consultant crew. Uh, also what happened is that my support costs dropped by 20% because all of a sudden now I had all these certified consultants to help support my clients. And then finally we dropped another million to the bottom line just from certification fees every mm -hmm. year. So this turned out to be a very successful program, which I kind of invented on my own. Later, uh, the founder of Intuit, Scott Cook, came to me and said, Mitch, can you teach us at Intuit how to do this? I said, sure. So I gave him the whole playbook and Intuit built their own program called the Certified Advisor Program, which to this day has thousands of accountants. Uh, and so it was 20 years later that a, a new client, Josh Turner from Link Selling, said, Mitch, I you know, read about the certification thing that you've done and wondering if you could do it for us. And I said, absolutely, Josh, I'd love to. And so what I did was after 20 years, I recreated all of the systems that I had built out of paper yeah. to software now with the internet. And we built a very successful program fairly rapidly. It took about 12 weeks, 10, 12 weeks. And instantly, as soon as it launched, it generated six figures. So we were all excited about it. Uh, Josh was thrilled. He left me a beautiful video testimonial. And I said, you know what? I could do this for others too. And then I went to work refining the processes. And I started offering it to clients and more clients were successful. So I then decided to write the book, Power Tribes. So now let me be clear about this. Certification um, has many forms and mm -hmm. I think others do certification uh, for the most part wrong. It could still work if it's wrong, but I feel like there's a better way. Yeah. And the better way is to create community around certification instead of just turning it into a business model. If you speak to some of the Infusionsoft certified consultants, 
you know, and ask them what they think of the program, they're going to grumble. They don't like the program, but it kind of works for them, so they stick with it. If you ever spoke to any of my certified consultants, it was like a love story. Mm. They loved our company. They loved all of us, and they showed that love by showing up. They go to all of our trade shows, all of our events, all for free. Uh, their desire was to meet our customers and get clients, and we loved that and helped them do it. Uh, and as a result, the community got stronger and stronger and stronger. Formatted and blueprinted in the book is how to build a community, a real community of thriving individuals who support each other and not just a business model. And that's what Power Tribes is all about. And that's what the Tribe Builders podcast is all about. It's about finding those community builders out there today. From that book, what are maybe top one or two or even three on how to do go about that? I know it's probably all in the book, but what are some of the you know key priorities? Well, the first and foremost is that you have to understand who you're recruiting. And I know that sounds a little obvious, even silly, but... I mean, when we are recruiting people into our world and when Infusionsoft or any other company is recruiting people into their world as certified consultants, the most important thing to remember is they're not salesmen. They're who they are. They're, yeah. they're, you know, they're technical people or they're coaches. Um, and so you need to understand how to train them to be and support them in that role. So what a great power tribe does is it doesn't ask our certified partners to do any selling at all. We do all the selling for them. We supply them with leads. We supply them with all the scripting they need to send out email. And we, in some cases, even close deals for them because this is what a true community does for each other. But in the end, what you end up with is you end up with the effect I told you about before, but then there's another interesting effect that happens too. They pay every year to stay part of your program. They show up at all your symposiums and pay you money to be there. They become your dealers and buy your products and resell them, whether they're licenses or software or coaching or training. And at the same time, they are out there speaking publicly, locally, in every state in, in the union, uh, where you as a company can never have that type of national coverage. So that's what the book talks about. And that's the, the keys to building a true power tribe. So we're going to start to wrap this up now, just with a brief alpha round. I like to start that off with, is there a particular quote that's either an all time favorite quote for you or just how you like to approach your life? Well, you know, uh, like many of us, um, Steve jobs was someone I admired for many, many years. And, uh, he's had so many incredible quotes. Um, but the, the, the quote that he used at a, at a commencement address, um, where we, and I don't have the quote in front of me, um, and I can't, I don't remember it, but I'll, I'll share the essence of it. Mm -hmm. The essence of the quote is that follow your heart. Don't do, don't be what other people want you to be, be who you are. And, and I believed in that so much because I had to do that. I didn't want to do that. I had to do that. Because honestly, there was no other way for me to achieve what I wanted but to be myself in a way that in many ways was not approved of by others. But I didn't care. I had to be myself. And in the end, it turned out to be the only one I could ever be. So I was certainly glad I did that. 
And we've mentioned your books, but outside of that, has there ever been a really impactful book for you um, throughout your life or just one that you like to recommend uh, potentially about what we've talked about? Well, I'll give you a couple. Um, the, the book that changed my life many years ago was called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read that book and I became a different person. I applied what I learned every day in my life. Uh, recently, I've read two books that I'm very, very blown away and impressed with. One of them is Oren Klapp's new book, Flip the Script. Uh, I had Oren on the show. He gave us a profile. I had a chance to read the book and I was like, you know, head slap, mind blown, incredible. I also read a different type of book recently, a book called In Love with the World, about a Buddhist monk and his own desire to be free and to free himself. And all I could say is that that touched me at a level that I had not felt by any book in a long time. And I highly recommend it. And what's the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more about all and everything you're up to? Well, obviously uh, my website, mitchrusso.com is the best way. Uh, if you'd like to buy the Power Tribes book, you can certainly go to Amazon and get it, but if you go to my site, powertribesbook.com, uh, you'll get not just the book, but a course that I've created that I'm no longer selling it, but giving away free only to book owners. Awesome. And from your vast experience and network, and obviously you've interviewed people for your show, who springs to mind as someone you think would make a great interview for this show from your network? Oh, I have so many, I've interviewed 180 people. I mean, <laughs> no. I, I, I would, I think that most of them would probably love to be on a show with you. So the short answer is please go take a look at my, my <laughs> guest and, and choose, and I'll be happy to make intros for you. Well, Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure today and there's been an extended episode, but I was just enthralled and I didn't want to cut you off. So thank you so much. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks a lot. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free 45-minute training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader in under 12 months without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. That training is brand new for 2021. You can jump over there. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.